Hi, this is Colin from Worse in the Industry. We have a lot of laughs on our show, and we get in some pretty heated topics, so it's important to remember that the views expressed by the hosts of Worse in the Industry are our own, and in no way are representations of the views held by the Planet Ant Podcast Network or Planet Ant as an organization, even when we're right. Yell at us, not them. Thanks, and enjoy the show. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit down. Yeah. Ain't nothing fancy, I'm still broke. Cross town like Yancey, I will throw. They say I'm in a spot they would kill for. I could put them in the wheel and they still won't. Get a deal with coke if I wasn't rapping about the past back, dealing dope. Got the offer, and it's real. Well, I mean, only if he was a boy with a voice like a little flute, but he had a beard, so clearly he still had his testicles. And and a, a fucking they lady who was fucking tried to assassinate him, and he held the gun to his fucking chest and Kill said, me. Do it, kill me. And then they fucked, they fucked. It's I, mean, but, it's but, I mean, how could, how could guess, you not? Bro. How could you not? I love I love when he came to America for the first time and he was like showing off because somebody asked if he was wearing if he would wear a bulletproof vest because he was afraid of being killed while he was abroad. No, he didn't and give he, a fuck. He undid his fucking jumpsuit and showed off all his fucking chest hair. He's like, I'm not fucking afraid. <laughs> like, what? Oh, they're, they're gonna shoot me in Harlem? Sure, give him a fucking try. <laughs> What the fuck? Fine. Why? 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 Is Batista here? Yeah. Yeah, right? What did, what, what did fucking Chavez say? Fucking uh, shoot me, you'll only be killing a man? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shoot coward, you're only killing a man. Yeah. Uh, speaking of a coward who was only a man. No, we, we, we love talking about cowards who are only men on this show. And uh, most of them run scams. Are we going to mm-hmm. get into it? I, th- I think we th- I think we are. All right. Well, hey, hi, hello, and welcome back once again to Worst in the Industry, the show where uh, we three harried coworkers attempt to get to our uh, scheduled meeting time to you know hash out a little bit of truth in this shared workspace that we call the world. My name is Justin Saint Peter, and I swear to God, if you touch my rented cubicle again one more time, to my left. Uh, hi, this is Colin from Accounting, and I've been on FMLA leave for 16 months and counting. To my left. Uh, my name's Tyler, and, uh, unfortunately, I'm having issues with Microsoft Teams today. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get up with the IT department, but, you know, they just, they just don't want to do their job. There's no IT in team. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, fuck, that was terrible. All right. Well, we're uh, we're getting into it today. It's Tyler's episode. It is. If you baby can't birds. guess, we're talking about a shared workplace thing that Tyler's going to get into. Ah, uh, yes, 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 we are. Neo feudalism. Neo feudalism. We work. We we work is the commons of neo feudalism. <laughs> Sharecropping, but under the, the rule of your thief lord. Thou shalt have access to the snack machine between the hours of 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. pending bank holidays. You're welcome, peasant. 
Thou shalt pay 75 cents per color copy. Thou shalt receive... Thou shalt rat... Thou shalt receive unfettered access to the Coca-Cola freestyle machine. In return, your middle manager has the right of prima docta. Okay. Talk about we work, everybody. Yeah, neo-feudalism. Oh, it's here. It's here, fellas. It's a good thing so, I got a big beer to talk about this. I, I have, you know what? I have one. I think I'm going to get, I'm going to get one more just so I don't have to get up in the middle of this. Oh, that's a good idea. I found out that the total wine in the Sterling Heights, they yeah. carry the Polish beer that I've been looking for. Ooh. And they also right. carry the, the Polish uh, bison grass vodka that I wanted to try, too. That's fun. So you give that a try. Get all that Polish liquors up series, here. Uh, my my wonderful baby birds. Um, as as I'm planning right now is going to be a three parter, maybe a four parter. Who knows? There's a lot to talk about here. Damn. Okay. Big story behind the WeWork. There's there's a lot to talk about here. Um, and the man behind it all. His name is Adam Newman. He was born April 25th, 1979 in Tel Aviv, Israel. Now, both of Adam's parents graduated from the Ben Gurion University Medical School uh, and welcomed a second child, Adi Newman, in 1982 and had a scandalous divorce when he was seven years old in 1986. Yes. Do we know what the scandal was? Uh, it was? It was just that they got divorced. That's pretty much it. No, it's done. Um, after the divorce, Adam, Adi, and his mother, Avi, uh, uh, huh. Av, mm, a, A-V-I-V-I-T, Avivit, Avivit, yes, I've, I have stared at that name, like, a ton of times, and I still, every time I see it, I get fucked up, because it's V-I-V-I, Avivit, Avivit, I don't know, I don't speak Yiddish, anyway, so, whatever, <laughs> they, they moved to the United States like uh, many, many people before them under the pretense of unlimited opportunity and freedom. But when they got to the swanky city of Indianapolis, Indiana, Ooh. Adam was deeply Indianapolis impacted. Indianapolis is a cultural, <laughs> cultural mecca. It's the yes, cultural um, mecca of the Midwest. There's a reason why it's in this. Gold. There's a reason why it's in the center of the country. Adam was deeply impacted from the divorce. You know. Like what happens to a seven-year-old, and then you move across the world. While Avivit was continuing her medical training and working, uh, she took Adam to a psychiatrist to try to talk to him, talk to him uh, through his struggles. To quote Avivit Newman from a interview article posted on Calcala's Tech called "A Mother Knows," Adam Newman's mom opens up. Quote, "It was a terrible time," she said. I took him to see a psychiatrist. He did not spe yet speak English, so I had to translate. The psychiatrist handed him a sparkly wand and said, Twirl it around your parents three times and they'll get back together. Adam called it a fairy tale, so the psychiatrist said, If you know that, why are you telling yourself stories? We went for eight sessions and I got a brand new kid. No drugs required. So that's his mom. Yeah, that's psychiatrist. What did that psychiatrist do to that kid? Uh, this was this was 1986. They were still uh, hammering out. <laughs> this is uh, actually yeah. I mean, 1986. What? That's the which version of the DSM is that? That's still like, it's not good. 
I'm fairly no. certain that being gay is still in there. Oh, yeah, boy. Yeah, probably. Um, so his mother was struggling to support uh, two kids and herself while going to school full-time uh, on $1,800 a month salary. So young Adam took up a paper route that netted him about $150 a month, and he gave that to his mother to help her with her expenses. Now, although Adam, by all accounts, was very bright for his age, he had a major, major struggle in his young life, being that he was severely dyslexic, which hampered his ability to learn how to read and write English. But he pulled through and eventually learned how to read and write English. Which is a good yeah, thing. having sex daily can really hamper a kid. I... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shut the fuck dyslexia. up. <laughs> uh, I hate you. Uh, also, Thanks, Hank. I don't know if you listen to the show, but I appreciate it, buddy. I stole that joke from uh, a guy I knew in college. Awesome. I do want to say, though, uh, I love I love hearing this in the backstory because every time that you, you're face-to-face with somebody who, like, lives an inordinately better life than they deserve, they always have to give you details like this. Like, growing up, my mom put me on Ritalin. It's like, yeah, you know, you know who's who? Like, I know who got put on Ritalin. Well, some of them are dead now. Yeah, uh, a lot of people. And of none them of them, me. none of them became millionaires. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I get that you had a, a, a you had a learning disability uh, because you know we're full of fucking microplastics and shit that are passing the brain blood barrier, and your parents were shooting their fucking lead infested semen and fluids into each other. Like a fucking pair of snails locked into a bonding ritual, but mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, yeah but, but yeah, hard to read. I get it. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, <coughs> so, when when Adam was 11 in uh, the year 1990, his family returned to Israel, uh, settling in kibbutz near Am near Sadat, which is close to Gaza. His mother began working in the oncology department at a nearby hospital. Now, um, I'm sure you guys know what a kibitz is, but maybe not all our listeners do. So, um, a kibitz is an Israeli collective settlement, usually agricultural and often industrial, which is which where all wealth is held in common. Profits are reinvested in the settlement after members have been provided with food, clothing, and shelter, and social and medical services. Adults have private quarters, but children are generally housed and cared for as a group. Cooking and dining are in common. The settlements have edged towards greater privacy in regards to person and property since the formation of Israel in 1948. The kibitzim, which are generally established on a land leased from the Jewish National Fund, convene weekly general meetings at which the kibbutz members determine policy and elect their administrative members. And that is a quote from uh, Britannica. The first, uh, the first Zionist settlements uh, that started popping up in the Levant uh, in mm. the, the mid-19th, late-19th century. I'm getting to that. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say that those were these, these things, right? Yep, yep, yes. So... Um, I'm gonna quote. I'm gonna. I'm gonna quote from a really weird source. Okay. Jerusalem um, today. It, it's a quote from an actual journalist, but the quote came from Quora, where somebody asked, <laughs> "What is a kibitz?" And then this guy answered, and I think he actually summed it up pretty well. So I'm just gonna use it as a quote. Uh, it's not MLA format. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, from this guy, Charles Tipp, the kibitzim began as a part of Zionism, the broad nationalist movement, more than a century and a half old, to create sovereign Israeli state in the British protectorate protectorate of Mm -hmm. Palestine. 
More to the point, they were in they were policy in labor of the labor Zionists, or policy in action of the labor Zionists, which was the socialist wing of the larger movement. And indeed, Kibitzim operated on the Marxian principle of from each accordingly to his ability, to each according to his need. However, the socialism of Kibitzim is neither state communism nor state socialism, which is to say that it is not authoritarian as with Soviet communism, fascism, or social democracy. Jewish socialism has a lineage counted in millennia. It is not formal, and it rather takes a shape of uh, communitarianism, communalism, collectivism, and utopianism. I thought, eh, that was pretty good. I would say that's a pretty fair, it's a pretty fair summing up. Um, yeah, yeah, but um, Kibitz, mean, yeah. It's, 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 they, yeah. they started out as that way, and then um, they turned into a pretty militant part of, of Zionism. Yep, yep, because uh, a lot of when, a lot of what we know is like the modern day, like, settlements of the area that's being occupied by mm. Israel, a lot of those areas started out Our Kibitz, as yeah. these, yeah, these communes. Yep. And nowadays you see more and more non-communes that are just, like, gated neighborhoods. Or, mm -hmm. uh, like, you'll see now where they'll just, like, run into buildings when people yep. are, like, you know, out for a funeral or for, you know, a holy uh, day or, you know, to go get food at the market or something like that. Yeah. Uh, just and run just, into someone's just fucking run in and steal their fucking... The literally, yeah. yeah and, and, lock, and, and change locks. <laughs> And a lot of times, um, these, these kibbutz have, um, you know, pretty substantial manufacturing um, mm -hmm. abilities. Like, they have a lot of uh, factories and warehouses and stuff like that. And a lot of the time when Israel um, goes into wars or skirmishes, uh, those factory lines are converted to make arms and oh, yeah. ammunition and all of that kind of stuff. Oh, they are, they are little, they are tiny Israels. That is what they mm -hmm. are. Um, so I'm going to quote from a, another article, uh, from the commercial observer. It's the roots of Adam Newman's Jedi like mind control over investors by Elliot Brown and Maureen. Farrell. That's, that's tropes. They're engaging in tropes. They're using hypnosis, which is when yeah, Ilhan Omar said that, uh, said that Israel has, has, uh, hypnotized the world. She was engaging in tropes and them saying that Adam Newman has Jedi mind tricks over financial investors is them engaging oh, no, in tropes. don't inject me with your poison um so it's weird because the jedis were also like very explicitly orientalists like, to be, like the jesuits mm. yeah they're supposed to be jesuit samurais yeah yep. so uh quote the kibbutz niram uh, had roughly about 600 residents and sat 10 miles inland from the mediterranean sea just on the northern edge of the negev desert the ethos of the kibbutz movement was one of sharing and egalitarianism. For decades after its yeah. founding in 1943, we're just gonna we're gonna well, throw some gratuitous egalitarian. If you're not you know non-Jewish or Arab <laughs> yeah. or as long yeah. as you're not Palestinian, if, yeah. If you're if you're literally anybody that's not a like militant Zionist Jew. Then, yeah. yeah, then it's egalitarian for those. Just, you know, like how Nazi Germany was pretty egalitarian. It was yeah, super yeah, egalitarian, exactly. egalitarian for Germany. So, for, for decades after its founding in 1943, Niram residents supported the kibbutz by picking grapefruits and potatoes in the fields or working on the on site cutlery factory, a low tech maker of forks, knives, and spoons. Salaries were all equal. Cars were shares, with driving hours controlled by a sign up sheet. 
In Niram's brutalist concrete dining hall, families would join together to eat meals of cereal, chicken, or falafel. Newman, then 11, struggled to make friends. The children in Niram had grown up in the community and known each other like siblings. Newman and his mom and sister, on the other hand, were outsiders. They were simply renting space there. But Newman eventually endeared himself to the others. He was loud and fun and invited peers over to his room, where he showed off American trinkets like his Nintendo video game system. Outside, they'd play basketball or sometimes with a baseball Newman brought from America. As years passed, his friends became the center of his community. He slept in the house designated for teenagers, where he had a sizable room of his own. Newman's time in Niram coincided with the sweeping changes in the kibbutz structure. Throughout Israel, the idealistic dreams of the kibbutz had begun to falter. These communities were designed to be self-sustaining, but decades into their existence, they relied heavily on government subsidies. What? The vision w wasn't working. Crazy. And as finances deteriorated, Niram began to change to introduce capitalistic reforms to the troubled socialist structures. So more like residents took to jobs. Yeah, exactly. More residents took jobs outside the kibbutz, where all residents began to pay for meals and air conditioning, food waste, and electricity was use plunged. Later, the cafeteria would shut down and be converted into, guess what, a co-working space. Newman loved the sense of community. Foreshadowing. Newman loved the sense of community at Niram and the close bonds he made, but the economic egalitarian spirit didn't rub off on him. He told friends he wanted to leave and make millions of dollars. He would later carp about the inherent unfairness of the kibbutz life. Slackers and hard workers received the same pay, he'd say. I'm gonna fucking kill myself. Uh, <laughs> my brain is it's... fucking melting. Oh my fucking I, I, love I that literally one. went on a 15 minute rain today at work about how slackers and hard workers receive the same pay. It's nothing has changed. Nothing changes. No, slackers tend to receive more would, pay here. Here's the yeah. thing if you're a slacker, fucking I salute you. You're braver than any Marine. You're doing God's work. Okay? Nah. You fucking you do that. You drag your fucking feet. Because you're the only good person at your job. You are spiritually correct and nobody can assail your position. If you're working hard like me, if you're working hard like me for something that doesn't give a shit about you, you're a dog and you deserve to die like a dog. You don't get buried when you die. You fucking rot in a shallow ditch off the side of a country road. The only people that you should be working hard for is us pimping this fucking show pimping out to your friends. Pimping the show yeah, out. Pimping this fucking stars show. On every Send platform me money. To. To become Send independently me money. wealthy. Independently wealthy, please. Yeah. It's if eventually, we'll stop bitching about work if we can stop working. And then eventually, we'll open up a sausage restaurant called Worst in the Industry it, with a U. With a U. Stop giving, stop giving it away. Stop it. Well, that is for later. The hint is that we're making two kinds of kielbasa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we One got a couple full of, we got a couple pull of sausages in the back. Hey you know what I mean? Hey oh. Hey oh. Anyway, link them up, boys. Don't pull, don't pull the sausages <laughs> in one hand, do we? Link them up <laughs> in one hand, do we? Um, Adam uh, then went to graduate high school and do his mandatory military service, where he joined the Israel Naval Academy, where he received training to be an officer. In 1996, he graduated from the Officers Academy and held that position in the Navy for five years. Just bombarding yeah, fucking... Just being a... 
He was a, he was a foppish pretty boy in the fucking military. He, he, he didn't like a do shit. Bonnet. Dude, he didn't so do shit. Getting getting to be in getting to be a an officer in the Israeli Navy is the Israeli equivalent of getting to be a pilot in the American military, right? It's what you do when you're the fail son of a of a semi wealthy to wealthy family is you throw your life away with some fucking you know ego stroking position in the military so that no. later you can pad your resume for whatever business or political endeavor you embark on the only cool pilots that have ever been in the military in the united states military are the McCain. dudes that flew experimental aircraft after world war ii and then became H. astronauts Bush. those are the only cool pilots the coolest That's pilot it. to ever exist was hal jordan and he wasn't real it's <laughs> fair that's very fair, Justin. I agree. I agree with you. Do you Kay. do you agree that Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern, wasn't real? I don't know about that. He's real in my heart. Does that count? He's real in all of our hearts, except for Ryan Reynolds. Apparently, he's crazy. Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, yeah. apparently he's a crazy, mean person. Hmm. Yeah, you don't get to grow up that pretty and be nice. That's what I've heard. Are you making this up? That's what T.J. Miller said. T.J. Miller called in a bomb threat to a comedy stu- like a comedy club once, <laughs> like a, like a couple of years ago. I really <laughs> don't go off of his. Oh, Miller. I didn't know about that. He's crazy. You didn't know about the fucking bomb threat? I knew, yeah, I knew that he had a serious brain injury. He had like so you're so you're gonna go off of his. That's, Never mind. You're not making him a more credible <laughs> source. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I should discount him because of his disability. That's pretty no, ableist of you guys. No, because next you're going to be like, ableist. Well, supposed to well, question well, his sanity just because he well, had a also, massive brain injury that also almost he got, killed him. Also, also, I guess, I guess he got committed. I guess, I guess he got convicted of fraud and then lied under oath Did about he? it. But Did I don't he? know. If he did that, uh, then I agree that that happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been listening to so much Alex Jones deposition audio. Oh, it's so good. I know how to agree so to anything good. without actually saying something. No. It's so good. If you tell me that that happened, I'll agree that it happened. If that, if, I guess if, if you say it happened. Uh, right. Yeah, no, Dan Badon. Did you ask Dan Badondi to come uh, to, to come down uh, to Texas Dan, for a weekend? Dan Badondi, uh, who's Dan Did you Badondi? ask him to come Dan to Badondi dinner at your home? Uh, well, uh, I, I might. Did have you apologize know. to him for the mischaracterization uh, well, of him well, that you I, made I, during the deposition? I don't know. I, and then I, I did apologize. you and I, your lawyer I both tell things, Dan so. Vidandi to stop talking about Sandy Hook? Uh, well, well, I, I apologize for a lot of things, so, uh, you, you know, it, it gets hard to, to keep them. I know it's a big deal things, for so. people like you to be in the media, but, you know, for me to be at a press conference, it's nothing. And he's uh, talking about the press conference after the uh, Sandy Hook school shooting where one of his... Uh, uh, reporters shouted about Infowars while people God, were trying w- to figure out who killed their kids. Yeah. I really wish that would have been David Knight. Because everybody would have just been like, dude, you shut the fuck up. You're boring. <laughs> well, David Knight would not have been able to raise his voice loud enough to ask that question. No. 
<laughs> no. no. David Knight. Well, David, David Knight, Knight has a shock collar on. It's placed there by he, law. It's David like, Knight was the most confused, the most confused person on that show Mm-mm. because I don't think he, I don't think he watched anything else from Infowars. He just kind of came on and did his thing and just left. Rob Dew always read as very confused to me. Yeah. Rob Dew's also kind of a psycho. He so. is. He's really fucked up, but he always read as kind of detached. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he definitely reads it like a like like he's reading off a teleprompter. I like Amar- like Amari no Jackson is like probably the only one that I think I could actually hang out with in real life because uh, you can tell that he's just there for the paycheck. Mm-hmm. You can tell that he's just doing it for the cash, and that and he's I appreciate like, it. I appreciate that. I appreciate about him because hustling. I would I would do the same thing. I would do the same. If, I would if absolutely Alex Jones was like, thing. I'll give you a job on InfoWars, you have like an hour slot every yeah, fucking night, if, if he, five if nights he gave a me, week. If he gave to me say what whatever if he, okay. you want, if he no gave me questions Owen, asked. If he gave me Owen Schroyer's oh, slot Owen Tro- and the same pay where I would make like $95,000 a year. Is so overpaid. Just by, yeah, not like ninety five grand a year to do that. Are you fucking I would do that in a heartbeat. What I would do is I would, I I would be like less? I would be like I, I could come up with right wing bullshit for a couple hours every I day. I could come up with I came up with I came up with a whole a whole allegory about this whole bullshit in like thirty seconds today. Yeah. These people yeah. are nothing to me. Their minds are infinitesimally smaller than and mine. And listen, all I'm saying is I could also do it better because I wouldn't end up in fucking court over what I said. I wouldn't yeah, I wouldn't be like this person and this is their address. They're a fake actor, and their son isn't dead. Like no, it's pretty I easy. Wouldn't say that. I just wouldn't yeah. say it. It's the the amount of shit that we're allowed to say is pretty wide. So the fact that they just went and just did the most illegal thing was like we've definitely towed the line on the show here. But I feel like we've we've been so glib about it that it's been very helpful to our case because yeah, like it's it's clear that clear we're that joking. Yeah. Uh, and that none of us are serious, but like Alex Jones showed up at Washington D.C. <laughs> like that's the fr- you well, can't you the, can't the thing, be like about- you can't be like I'm a pundit and this is a show that I do and then also be like I'm the tip of the spear. You can't you can't, can't you can't you can't you can't say that and then also go to court under oath and say the same thing. Oh my god. And that's what this, that you say on your fucking that's show. That's what this fucking that's... Adam Newman guy is doing. This Adam Newman guy, he wants to be, he wants to be this big, tough, like, oh, I wasn't just in, you know, I wasn't just in the concentration camp corps. I was in the concentration camp corps Navy, uh, mm. and I was an officer in the concentration camp corps Navy. Uh, so I get to seem like I have this prestige, even though I'm a little worm that doesn't hold any admirable values that doesn't hold any admirable like quality or experience or characteristic uh that you'd want in the world uh except for bald ambition and hunger for more just the most horrifying creature of the 21st century just splurted out onto this fucking uh globe like just the a celestial antichrist just fucking shit out from low orbit Yep. I mean, he so, does have a concentration camp boat. He does. He does. <laughs> Indeed, he does. Man. So, um, after he gra- or after he uh, served in the Navy for five years in 2001, he moved to New York City uh, to live with his sister. Concrete uh, jungles where dreams are made of. There's nothing you can't do. 
<laughs> so yeah, he moved to New Down York City to live, with, <laughs> to live with Adi, his sister, um, who already had a very promising modeling career. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, uh, both of them are uh, they're 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 pretty fucking good looking. I will say. How? Yeah, we got um, a real IDFE girl on our hands. No, no, not quite. How, she, uh, I, she's her no. ass isn't fat enough. No, she she's she's very traditional. I don't know what model, they do, man. Like rail rail. I don't fit. know what they're doing. I get it might be. Well, I don't know what they're putting in the falafel over there. <laughs> I was gonna say, girls, it's all that falafel, bro. Them girls thick. are fucking thick. Uh, uh, fucking nothing's unleavened over there. I call bullshit. Those cheeks are clapping while they're killing all them Palestinians. While they're murdering father. Uh, here's it's so here's fucked Adam. up. Like I get, like you know all like the concentrate like. You know how the people... Oh, God. Wow, okay, yeah, he is conventionally. You know the people in, like... Yeah, he's, he's a good-looking guy. Prisoner and, uh, of war here's... camps, they, like, draw, like, horny pictures of the guards and of, like, the female guards. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. You mean that one Japanese guy yeah. that you showed us on Twitter a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, with the Soviet... The, the female yeah. Soviet guard. I get it, buddy. This guy, for me, for real. So, so Adam, Adam, very good looking guy. Handsome. He's got, yeah. he's got nice, nice chiseled facial features. He's six foot five. He looks, oh, wow. he looks like Uncle Jesse. He's six foot five. He he's got he... like, he's got a very deep, like booming voice and he's got like a, he's got an accent too. So he's like, he's, he's got it all going on. Is it an Israeli and, uh, accent or is it a New York accent? This is his sister. It's, it's like a mix. Cause what Oh the... God. Yeah. Uh, that's her in Vogue. But yeah, so uh, both like conventionally attractive yeah, uh, human yeah, beings. Yeah, very, very conventionally attractive. To quote from uh, from an article from Fast Company, uh, when Newman moved into his sister Adi's New York apartment in 2001, fresh off his service from the Israeli military, what surprised him most was the silence of the elevator rides. Why is nobody talking to each other, he remembers asking her. We're in the same building. How come you don't know everybody? In Israel... Neighbors have almost the opposite relationship. If I'm in a neighborhood and I need some salt, he says, even though I don't know the person, I'll knock on the door and ask for some salt. Some, I so, mean, depending on the makeup of the neighborhood and the location. Yeah, if, if you live yeah. in a How fucking How many walls commune. may be between you and the neighbors? <laughs> so, Adam Newman decided to turn making friends in the building into a competition with his supermodel sister. Let's see which one of us can meet more people on every floor, he told Adi. So after every month, we can go to that person, knock on their door, and see if we can hang out and have a cup of coffee. Even though he lost the friend-making game. Yeah, it was Hot Sister, of course. Yeah, I mean, salad dressing is not exactly the best icebreaker. Yeah, his sister is literally a fucking Vogue model. Uh, She's just fucking uh, everybody in the building. (laughs) (laughs) Just like... Everybody's like, yeah, I'd love to hang out with you. Oh, you have a brother, too? Fine, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I don't give a shit. What, does he like to watch or something? <laughs> what, does then he he's like this... to watch or something? He's, he's, he's this six-foot-five surfer-haired brutish Israeli dude who's five years in the Navy. Just like, so he's gay. my sister. You want to be friends? You want to be friends? Yeah, he's, so... he's like... <laughs> I I love uh, to I love to uh, kiss your face sometime. If I come over, perhaps I uh, I take uh, take many minutes to kiss every inch of your face. And, listen, uh, listen, I, bitch, I will spit up here. Later, I come okay. by. We get uh, we, take, we get some hummus, and uh, I come over and I uh, kiss every inch of your face. 
I'm not. I'm not gonna lie though. Like, I've seen the the, the Instagram DMs that those types of dudes send to my girlfriend, and uh, they've like offered to buy her oh. houses. Like, I need to step Sweet it up. Sweet baby princess. <laughs> Sweet baby princess. Can I buy you? Let me buy you a apartment on Upper West Side. Let me buy your apartment on Upper West Side. I'll come by with a quarter of torshi and some uh, pita bread, and we'll uh, you know and see you what we can you, get to you, the you, bottom of. You let me smell virgin. And and you let uh, me, uh, <laughs> if you let me put uh, my pinky finger in your virgin, I swear I make you come like nothing ever has. <laughs> so this makes up for everything uh, else I said. <laughs> Uh, although he lost the friend making game, <laughs> he what? Uh, it wasn't because he was uh, particularly unsuccessful. She was supermodel. He notes with a smirk. By the end of the month, uh, the <laughs> two of them had no friend no. on every floor. The entire energy of the building changed. Newman said. He can't say it like that because then he's That's like weird. he's like admitting like, yep, she was fucking him. Like, <laughs> yeah, my sister's hot. My bro. sister's fucking everybody in the building, bro. Isn't that cool? It's disgusting. I mean, I'd I'd like to live in that building. <laughs> but you know, you know, I'm just you know, I'm just saying. Um, <clears throat> so. Adam, at the time, was enrolled in the Zicklin School of Business at Barouche College, and uh, he decided to start his career early as an entrepreneur. You guys ready for these business ideas he has? Oh, let's hear it. Let's hear these I don't fucking think you're ready. coked up 2 a.m. business can we, ideas. Can we, can Justin Elevated corndog restaurant, let's go. Okay, yeah, let's, can, I'm gonna, we, I'm gonna, can we, give, right, can so, we guess so, a few? Can we guess? Okay, listen, I got, there are two ideas. And I need two guesses from both of Ooh, you. Fucked. Okay, he's Israeli. He was in the Navy. All right, all right. He hates socialism. He wants uh. to fuck his sister. Uh, makeup parlor for dogs. Nope. Artisanal soap on a rope. Nope. You're you're thinking you're thinking too deep. Too deep. Okay. Uh. Uh. What about um. What, what about uh? Fuck. These uh, are like Shark Tank bullshit. Shark ideas. Tank bullshit ideas. Yeah. Um, a kosher spatula. No. Uh, a hand job for Mark Cuban. I don't know. Wrong. So, the first one was an idea born out of uh, seeing his sister going to modeling jobs, walking to the photo shoot in flats, and then changing to heels when she got there. The idea was oh a shoe God, I with a collapsible heel. Shoe. I remember this shit. I remember this. I'm sorry. So his first business idea was a shoe like the cup I had in the Boy Scouts. Correct. The spilly cup that you could spill without spilling. No, it's no. it's a collapsible cup. It like goes in on itself. No, I, was, I didn't have a sippy cup. I was 14. I don't know, man. It sounds like a sippy cup. I was too cup busy to masturbating. <laughs> to have a sippy cup? Yeah, I feel like a sippy cup would come in handy. I need all that liquid flow. I gotta, I gotta drink. I gotta hydrate fast so I can go back to hydrate so I can get back to beating off. Oh, back then, dude, the beat offs were so great. They were so high quality because, like, I wasn't making for a while, and I was just like, it was like my vision would go completely black. And it was like an out of body experience. I don't. We don't need to hear about your dry preview. Oh, they weren't dry. <laughs> they weren't dry. Let me tell you, they were not dry. I just wasn't making. Just powder. 
So, um, this I the, the okay. So let's let's just let's let's move on. From that so, so uh, this this idea failed miserably. Mm-hmm. I fucking wonder why. Obviously, so because um, uh, the only time people have heard of it is when they uh, start researching Adam Newman and be like, "This fucking idiot." <laughs> You so, thought you're gonna be Steve Madden, you fucking moron. Steve Madden. Steve Madden. So, um, his next so idea. Fucking hot. <laughs> gonna fucking come. So, his his next idea was for a uh, a product called Crawlers with a K. Which was baby clothes with knee pads to make crawling less painful for your little bean. They don't need... What the fuck? Are you fucking... <laughs> the padding's built in, first of all. Second of all... They don't even have joints yet. They don't even have full, bo- full bones in their joints, right? And also... Way to fuck up the alignment also, of your baby's Also, so hips. gross. Yeah, you take, taking your baby to the, the car, of the mechanic, you're like, eh, it needs a fucking alignment. It's so diabolical to me. I, it's so upsetting <laughs> to think about. It's, it's like that fake product where it's just a mop thing on the bottom of a baby onesie. <laughs> yep. This is, um, this is the kind of thing that I feel like nobody bought them, and then eventually the, like, the patent got repurposed for like an adult sex toy version. <laughs> yeah. So, um, a onesie with knee pads. I'll take ten. <laughs> apparently, there's like a similar product in Israel that's like, like moderately popular. Like it's it's just like basically it's just like it's like a baby like pants or like a onesie that has like some extra like cushion, like some extra like in between the the two pieces of fabric. They just like stuff some feathers in there. Or Why whatever. do you need more cushion? Well, because, I don't know, you've seen babies crawl. They fucking slam their knees against the goddamn floors. Yeah. yeah babies are meant to bounce. Babies are yeah. fine. But, like, but like whatever. Whatever. Bones, you know? bones grow under stress. You need the baby to so, be bouncing their knees. But regardless, he ran with his harebrained idea, trademarked the name Crawlers, and dropped out of college to pursue his idea full-time. Moron. He waxed poetically about how his company would make millions upon millions of dollars. Count your chickens before they're hatched, buddy. He was able to fund his operation through borrowing money from his sister, an investment from a hedge fund manager, and he also got a small investment from his grandmother of one hundred thousand dollars. Oh yes, a small investment. Yeah, just just small. small. Just a little bit. Just a just a twenty slipped to him behind your parents. What six back. figures between family members? Yeah. Exactly. So, um. Newman uh, knew absolutely fucking nothing about children. All he did was work, go out drinking with his friends, and go on dates. That's all he did. So, let's think to ourselves here. There's obviously a glaring issue with these specialty baby clothes, as you guys have pointed out. And here's my problem with them, okay? Because even if we want to talk about, like, okay, it it, it is a dumb idea, but... (laughs) Some people might buy Are into it, right? Are they super flammable? Oh, people buy dumb ideas all the time. Babies only crawl for, what, three or four months? Let's say these are wildly popular enough to where people actually buy them. Typically, when people have multiple children, they only have one in the crawling baby stage at a time. You're not going to let your baby be crawling around the ground randomly in public, so they'll only be used at home. You'd only need, what, one set 
maybe two, and then your next kid will use the same ones, and when you don't have any more kids, you'll probably just give them to a family member or a friend that recently had a baby. Because let's be real, babies in the crawling stage weigh somewhere in between, what, a bowling ball and a small raccoon holding a bowling ball, <laughs> so they're not exactly wearing these fucking things down. It's a dumb business idea, and he should feel bad about trying to make it one. What the fuck are those Colin-ass measurements? Those are good measurements. I can't, I can't complain. I know exactly, because that's, hey, that's low if end. you can't say low a end, bowling ball, they come in a wide range of No, that's of good. Weights. That's a good, no, that's a good amount. Low end is six pounds. High end is like 50 pounds. No. That's so much difference. I'm talking about a regulation bowling ball. Once babies are in the, the crawling stage, they're usually, I would say, in between 16 pounds and 30 pounds. Let's be real. 30? That's a big-ass baby. Yeah, yeah, there are big-ass babies. You've seen me when I was a baby. I was a fucking ham. He was all head, man. And then you didn't get any bigger. Yeah, I was fucking massive. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, your poor mother. I wasn't when I was born. I just got really fat afterwards. full-sized man. You were, you were a chunky little baby. Mm-hmm. And then you, you literally just gained 0% body fat for the yeah. rest of your life. Just, you just yeah. finished that baby that. You just stretched that baby fat over a man's frame. They called you me the. They called me the. Otter. They called me the Michelin baby because I had so many fucking folds in my arms and legs. My family called me Uncle Fester because my hair is so blonde I look bald. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were a towhead. I was a little towhead baby. Yeah. So, uh, Adam, although smart in dumb ways and dumb in smart ways can't be denied the fact that he was absolutely magnetic as a person six foot five chiseled facial features uh he himself actually dabbled in the modeling too a booming voice with an interesting but soothing accent he also had a sort of vibrant energy that attracted everybody to him not quite manic but almost so just on the line enough to keep you interested in whatever he's saying when he went to trade shows to try to sell his, uh, small businesses on his ideas so that they would carry them in his stores or in their stores Small crowds would gather around him. He would evoke wild deliberation of, would babies be happier if they had knee pads? To quote the commercial observer, quote, he'd walk around potential buyers through the experience of being a parent and having children crawl. Your child will love you more because of these clothes, he'd tell them with a smile. The company's slogan became, quote, just because they don't tell you doesn't mean they don't hurt. Yeah. Uh, there's, are you fucking, there's, there's a, con there's a connection here to the plight of the Palestinian people, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just let it hang in the air. <laughs> no, they're actively telling them. Yeah. No, I know. So, um, at a trade show in Manhattan's, uh, Javits Center around 2006, Daniel The Jacob Rosengirdle, Javits Convention Center? The Jacob Javits Convention Center. <laughs> Daniel Rosengirdle spotted Newman's head above a swarm of people at a crawler's booth. Rosengirdle and his wife had started an e-commerce website called Spiffy Baby. It didn't take long for Newman to convince the couple, who had recently had a baby, that the knee pad line clothes were something they would need for their child, as would their customers. These people should not Within have a child. Uh, first of all, dumb. you can convince new parents of fucking anything. No, you can't. Yeah. In the, no, in the first month of a baby's life. All right, when you yeah. get they get that newborn home. Yeah, and, and it's their first one. It's their the first one. Up, you yeah. can convince you can convince newborn parents of anything. I guess like, that's oh, it might, it might shut the fuck up for five minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to, we'll get to the cult aspect. Don't worry. That'd probably be an episode. We two already or three. were. We were talking about Zionism. Hell. Mm-hmm. So within a single conversation, Newman struck Rosengirdle as amazing, and he put in an order. On a good day, Newman sold thousands of dollars of baby clothes at a time. He bounced off the walls with energy and ideas, constantly hustling and calling prospective investors and retailers. All right, he struggled all right. to sit if you, still if you for buy long ten, periods. Ten cases of crawlers, ten cases of crawlers, and I will, I'll throw in uh, 15 bottles of the soy ginger sesame, and I'll throw in another 15 bottles of the blue cheese, and another 15 <laughs> bottles of the green goddess. Just call it a deal. <laughs> Because yep. it's Newman's, Newman's own. Because it's Newman's. Listen, all right, Newman's own is one of the only companies we can't find fault with. Newman's yet. has gone woke because they're sesame ginger. <laughs> oh, because Shogun Newman is. He's expired. undergone the Meiji well, restoration. What was that fucking tweet you said? Yeah, that's Shogun Newman the has undergone the Meiji restoration. restoration. <laughs> um, yeah. He would struggle to sit still for long, long periods. He constantly paced around his office as he talked on the phone. He loved the negotiating, the banter, the sport of it all. He would even haggle with bewildered department store salespeople. Was he making more money than it made sense for him to be making at the time? Um, he didn't really make a lot of money. Like, he made, he made enough to, like, be able to live in New York City with his sister Mm-hmm. In an apartment. Okay. Where was he living in New York? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I, I don't. I don't, not a I don't think any. I don't think anywhere particularly like really swanky. <laughs> what, but he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, this was nineteen ninety. He wasn't re- living in Brooklyn. Living in New York, yeah. nineteen ninety. His sister is a model. He himself yeah, he wasn't, li- wasn't, he wasn't living, in he wasn't living on like the Upper East Side, oh, but he wasn't living in Bed Stuy. No, okay. You know? I just I'm curious as to what circles he might have been traveling in. <laughs> no, I think he was just like pretty pretty middle of the road. Lines, Colin. They never make circles. It's easier to measure in lines. So, um, that's all I got for episode one. Uh, I just okay. kind of wanted to give the. Uh, the the history of the man adam newman uh, i didn't right. really want to go into much of his uh his exploits after that because it's pretty fucking it all happens real quick mm-hmm. gotcha yeah you know if, after the the whip smart idea that was crawlers i can imagine that his pistol hot career uh, just moves so quickly it's hard for the human eye to follow. i know a decent amount about we work so i am excited to see uh tyler's take and his perspective on on things and his his view of the narrative uh the timeline of the events i think it'll be very yep. interesting uh guess what it's a cult it's, it's and it's almost so worse than that it's it's a cult and Cause, so cause, much you know what more. some cults actually get to exist like like scientology or mormonism and it didn't it didn't fail in the way that like you know the order of the solar temple failed or like did uh, they fail i feel like they succeeded all right, yeah, I mean, that's debatable, but that's a whole other show. That's like, did Heaven's Gate succeed? I feel like they did. I, I think like they did. We're about to be spaded over. I mean, you can now, still go to their People's website. Temple, they failed. People's Temple Jim failed. Jim Jones? Jim Jones failed because he didn't, he should have just keep kept getting his fucking dick wet. He fucked up when he fled America. 
He could have been getting yeah. his fucking dick wet for years if he'd stayed here. No, he he fucked up when he decided to fuck off and start go, and just like saying. go do his his whole his whole idea was like I'm just gonna go do meth in the jungle and see what happens. <laughs> this this is what happens, Jim. Everybody's dead, Jim. Yeah, every everybody's <laughs> They're dead. They're dead, Jim. Everybody's dead, Jim. Why are they why why are they dead? It's because you told them to. Yeah, whatever, because you ah. did a bunch of meth in the jungle Shit. and either made people kill themselves or murdered them. Uh, it would have been fun right, at this one point, isn't... though. At one point, The first yes. time I got um, locked in the box, I liked, it was fun. I, I liked him better when he was a monkey salesman. I liked anyway. him better when he was a monkey Everybody salesman. Everybody liked him better when Speaking he was a monkey Speaking of Indianapolis. People forget... They forget. Yes, that he was from Indiana's Indiana. favorite son. Indi- Christ. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yep. That's all, right. all I got. We'll get to we'll get to some cult shit and some financial crimes next week. Sick. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll a lot of a lot of with... a lot of financial crimes because eventually his business that grows out of this uh, becomes worth sixteen billion dollars. It's such. So. Bo- this is such a good. It's it's so indicative of so many problems in America, and it is also so indicative of so many problems in Silicon Valley and like the mm. startup model, and like it's it's great. It's gonna be great. Yep. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun series. We're we're glad to be getting into a long one with you guys again. You yep, folks I, at home. I love my startups, and I know I know a lot of you out there love the Elizabeth Holmes episode. Startups are fun. I think that might still be our most popular episode. I think it, it is. is the Elizabeth it is, Holmes episode. Um, but yeah, all right. Well, thank you once again for coming to listen to us three schmucks talk on our microphones. Uh, this has been Worst in the Industry, and we will be back with you again next week. Bye-bye. Later. Kisses. They would kill folk. I could put them in the wheel, and they still won't. Probably get a deal with coke If I wasn't rapping about the past back dealing dope Got the offer and it's real low Over one mil and it's still low They all corporate, they all cute in suits Yeah, on bullshit with all that poop to scoop My shit going up, I go root to roof They don't like that, they won't mute the truth They gon' switch sides, they go group to group They won't shoot the shit, ain't got shit to shoot Till I go crazy, go and get the baby shit